Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of Cyber Coast to Coast. This episode of Cyber Coast to Coast is brought to you by Cyberlytica, providing proactive cybercrime intelligence. And to learn more about Cyberlytica, our sponsor, visit cyberlytica.com. I am here, Scott Schober from the East Coast, and I want to welcome my brother, partner in crime, Craig Schober from the West Coast. How you doing there, Craig? Hey, Scott. Uh, I'm well. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. It's finally starting to get a little bit warmer here. Spring is in the air and uh, we've been busy as ever. And uh, a lot of the stories here, I think, also tie in cybersecurity world. It's been really busy and crazy busy. So we have a lot to talk about and uh, excited to get into a couple stories. Um, maybe I could just set the stage just to briefly mention each story. And of course, we'll have these in the the show notes that everybody can tap on the link there and learn more. Uh, the first story we're going to dive into comes from the uh, the insider, and it's uh, the title of the article is "Hacker Group Anonymous Allegedly Breached Vladimir Putin's Yacht." And man, is, is Russia and Ukraine certainly in the news? And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that, but it, it'll be an interesting story. It'll probably give our listeners a little bit of a chuckle. Then uh, from Bleeping Computer, Ukrainian WordPress websites have seen a 10-time increase in cyber attacks. So uh, certainly we will talk and dive into that a little bit more and talk about all these increases in cyber attacks. And then finally, the Hacker News has an interesting headline there, Researchers demonstrate new side channel attack on homomorphic Morph- encryption. That's a <laughs> mouthful. Homomorphic encryption. What in the world is that? We're going to find out and talk about it and, and kind of about find out a little bit more about this, especially those that are really into uh, encryption and security. I think we'll appreciate that story and, and some of the uh, red flags there. Um, but, you know, with, with, I just mentioned with all those increases and you and I, we, we follow the news maybe um, a little bit more, obviously, on the, the cybersecurity side there, not as much maybe on the, the world of politics and things. But in a general sense, cyber crimes and attacks and everything from ransomware to just cyber attacks to DDoS, everything's on the rise. So I thought it'd be great to maybe start off this week with just sharing our, our cyber tip of the week. Um, and that cyber tip of the week is what we want you to think about is MFA multi-factor authentication can actually prevent as much as 80 to 90% of the cyber attacks, according to the figures that are cited by the U S national security cyber chief Ann Newberger and her, uh, who's, who's deputy national security advisor for the cyber and emerging technologies said that the stat was itself referenced by a number of the tech CEOs who attended a meeting with President Biden last week. And and just wanted to get your thought on that, Craig. We hear about MFA all the time, multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. Pretty impressive if that could actually prevent 80% to 90% of the cyber attacks. So what's wrong? Why aren't people using it? Any thoughts? Um, well, let me back up first and just explain in case anyone uh, isn't clear, uh, MFA, multi-factor authentication, and sometimes you see it written as 2FA, which is you know a second factor. Um, they're sort of interchangeable, but uh, multi, as far as I understand it, is uh, whether it's something, it can be something you are, something you know, or something you have. 
So in other words, uh, you know, something you are biometric, a fingerprint type thing, something iris or something. Yeah. All those types of uh, mm -hmm. bio scans that are inherently yours and can't be anyone else's. Um, you know, if it's something you have, then it's a device on you. It's you're carrying a phone and you'll get a text message or, or something uh, with a little code. And that will be the um, extra factor of security, the extra authentication factor. And something you know is, uh, I guess that would be, you know, besides the password, it would be. It'd be a pin a or pin a password. Code. That's something you, yeah, those are things, you know, knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, Possession is a smartphone, as you mentioned, a badge, things like that. Things you are, um, that's the biometrics that, like, as we mentioned, voice recognition, fingerprint, your retina, or something like that. Right. Um, and, you know, these things are, they, they sound simple because we all have, we all are made of something like biometrically. We all know something other than our passwords and our login. And we all, most of us have uh, more than one primary device. So you have a, you know, a tablet sitting around a laptop, that's your other device that you're going to get uh, a little response message on that's going to then cue you in to fill it in so that they know um, that, you know, you are truly you. Um, and we have all these things. So you think it would be uh, just a, another form of convenience and a lot more security, but I suppose uh, sometimes when I'm asked to uh, create a MFA or, or second factor, um, it's not a convenient time. And I say, oh, I'll do it later. And you put it yeah. off or you just don't want to, you, you don't want that friction. You know, you want to log into uh, your Amazon account real quick because you got to order something. You got to get on and get off and then go back to work or go, you know, go watch TV or do whatever you're doing. You don't want to think about those, that second factor. But I can tell you that um, any of these hackers are thinking about that second factor because anyone who has a, who has a multi-factor uh, set up on their account, a hacker is going to say, stop right there. I'm moving on to something much easier because we, as we know, there's still millions and millions of people that only have that single factor. And, and as we, as we saw in this uh, statistic, um, you know, 80 to 90%, if you could, if you could thwart guaranteed 80 to 90% of all cyber attacks, you know, why wouldn't you do it? You would, you only wouldn't do it if you're, uh, you don't have those facts or if you're lazy or, you know, and just don't want to be bothered with the truth. So I think everyone's got to take a hard look, you know, you don't have to go through all your accounts today because some of us have hundreds and hundreds of various logins. Um, but every time you're prompted, why, you know, why not change your, your account to 2FA or MFA stop, take that two minutes. It's going to take to do it and just do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. You gotta you gotta be a little bit disciplined and kind of think about cyber and just make it happen. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent with you. Um, okay, well, it takes us right into our our first story. And in fact, maybe even as people are are hearing some of the these stories unfold as we discuss them, uh, how multi-factor authentication could have perhaps prevented somebody from breaking in or, or hacking into the, the various uh, the stories here. So let's keep, keep that in mind. Well, the first one there again from Insider, hacker group Anonymous allegedly breached Vladimir Putin's yacht. Well, maybe just to set the stage, first of all, who, um, when you hear Anonymous in the wor world of cybersecurity, the, the group Anonymous, what 
what comes to your mind? Anything particular stand out, Craig? Um, I, a combination of kind of hacktivism, kind of pranksterism, and some, and also theft, you know, monetary theft. Uh, I think, I believe they've been involved in all those things throughout the years. Um, and what the, one of the, uh, bullet points that caught my eye in this story was that they were founded in 2003. I didn't even realize they went that far back. I mean, that was back before, long before these became common news items on the main, you know, wires and, and all these uh, news organizations we have today. Um, you, you never heard about cyber attacks back then because you, you never even heard of any of these groups back then. But I guess, I guess these guys go back pretty far as, as far as being a collective, a semi-organized collective of various hacker groups around the world. So uh, that's what caught my eye first. Yeah. Yeah. What about pretty, you? Pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. It's similar, I guess. I think hacktivist stands out in my mind because certainly they, they meddle in things that they create their own rules. I mean, even, even with, with our original um, book hacked again, when we released it, sharing some of that, some of the hackers that I later found out that actually targeted us, our company, um, were associated to anonymous, which was kind of scary. And that was only found out when we did doing some research with a, a partnered Israeli firm and, and going down at the dark web and learning some things about who was targeting us and, and, and the mischief they caused. But th- they have um, the ability to get involved in so many different things because nobody exactly knows where anonymous is. There's no single location. It's not like a company and there's a, you know, a postal address you could send something to. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they're spread out in all different countries and they have a cause and they have a loyal following and they have a lot of skills where they can do damage if they so choose to. And they kind of create their own rules and break the rules too. And so they almost like, it reminds me of like a vigilante to the kind of maybe a hacktivist meets vigilante type of thing when mm-hmm. they, when they do stuff like that. And I guess the interesting part of this story um, is that they really kind of, breached and got into Vladimir Putin's yacht. Now he's got uh, a lot of cyber experts that are working under his command there when they're doing a lot of these attacks. And you would think it would be virtually impossible to breach or get into anything associated to him or the government. Mm-hmm. But obviously this story uh, tells us otherwise here. And w- w- did you want to comment on some of the uh, the funny things that they messed around with? It was kind of kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. The well, before I get into that, I just it's interesting how you c- it's it's not really provable this story and a lot of these stories, especially with um, you know anonymous and these other groups when it's when you're talking about state secrets and spying and hacking. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do we prove this? It's not like Putin he didn't come forward and say, Hey, who hacked my yacht? You know, (laughs) and they're just claiming credit. So self-proclaimed, Hey, look what I did like bragging rights on. Right. And they can't really prove what they did. So they could be, you know, this whole, this whole story could be fake for all we know, but let's, let's play along and pretend because it's fun. It's, you know, it's definitely on the lighter side of this, these attacks on Ukraine um, because um, apparently there's a, I guess there's a re a readout, within the yacht or something it's some kind of identifier maybe as like a nautical identifier that it's a beacon it sends out or something and that one uh maybe it, who knows what it normally says um but now it says fck 
PTN, which you can imagine is short, short for yeah. F Putin. <laughs> and they change. And the funny one was, um, I guess it also gives the beacon gives out its nautical destination. So kind of like when, you know, when you're flying your plane into the airport, you have to report your, your, uh, your course and all those things so that the control towers can keep tabs on you. And this, you know, the nautical version of that, they said the destination is hell. <laughs> <laughs> So they they have you know obviously uh, no lack of sense of humor throughout the years yeah. from anonymous and it just they just keep on you know keep on going with that yeah and I, I guess it kind of it, it reminded me of a story I was reading the other day and again have no idea is it legit or is it somebody just fooling around but you know the the giant roadside uh, highway signs mm-hmm. somebody had hacked into one of those supposedly and it said similar type of thing. F Putin or whatever. So everybody driving by is beeping and waving and cheering on and kind of right. um, creating a stir, I guess you could say. Now, did somebody could have been a, just a, a highway worker that just plugged the computer in and typed it in? Or was it connected to the internet or wirelessly and somebody hacked in and changed a whole bunch of signs? Really don't know. And probably will never know the truth of it. But e- mm-hmm. either way, um, I think people are trying to have fun and, and maybe it's a way that people are expressing their frustration for, what's happening to the, the atrocities of war there, what, what Russia's doing under Vladimir Putin and the Ukrainian people and surrounding um, nations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So any, any way, an interesting story. I, I guess the question is, uh, d- did he have uh, multi-factor authentication properly set up to protect <laughs> his boat before it was hacked into uh, we probably will never know, but uh, maybe if you are listening to our show, uh, Mr. Putin, make sure that you have MFA uh, enabled. And <laughs> yeah, that's important. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a real, it'd be a real travesty if your yacht went missing or, or yeah. crashed into the docks or something. Oops, he may not even notice it because I think he. Well, he 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 had before all this. He had a lot of money. I don't know how this whole thing will play out. We'll see with. Uh, with all mm-hmm. the sanctions and craziness, but uh, maybe maybe to take a transitional pause as we, we chuckle about that story, just to remind our, our listeners uh, that this episode of Cyber Coast to Coast is brought to you by Cyberlytica, providing proactive cybercrime intelligence. If you want to learn more about Cyberlytica, make sure you visit their website, cyberlytica.com. And this next story uh, is coming from Bleeping Computer. Ukrainian WordPress websites have seen a 10 times increase in cyber attacks. And, and, and first of all, just, just thinking about WordPress websites, they're kind of the de facto standard nowadays. I know you're closer dealing with our couple websites that we have and, and again, using WordPress and, and working with others to help that. But um, I, everybody I talk to, it seems like they use WordPress. What, what's your, uh, your take on that, Craig, as far as yeah, popularity, the- acceptance nowadays? Oh, WordPress is huge. Um, I can't remember the stat, but it's it's so much bigger than you think it is uh, in terms of content on the internet, you know. And it's not uh, if you're not including uh, dark web stuff, you're just including the publicly available web. Uh, I think it's something on the order of I'm going to get this completely wrong, but I'll say it anyway. It's something on the order of like 75 percent of all web content is uh, WordPress based in some way. Um, this story caught my eye because of a few, uh, because of WordPress. They also mention uh, uh, WordFence, the the firm yeah. that gives some ta- uh, stats on this. We use WordFence. Uh, it staves off 
uh, literally hundreds of attacks a day. If you you go into our uh, you know our um, back panel on our websites, I can see in real time these attacks, uh, attempted attacks, and uh, and all the blocks and all the things that WordFence does for us. So that got you know that got my radar up and i saw all these mm -hmm. these products and these services we use and said uh oh what's going on here um and even uh what is it called ninja there's a there's a company called uh, ninja forms and you know when we quote products out to people uh it's uh it's a, it's created with a ninja form and that's um they were they sent me an email and it was kind of a mirror of this story involving uh, that WordPress was seeing a, a ton of attacks, especially Ukrainian, but that these attacks, of course, aren't limited to just to Ukraine. It's just it's just that's a hotspot right now for you know political geopolitical reasons. So they're seeing a lot of you know attacks there, cyber attacks. But you know you're vulnerable um, all the time. And uh, this this email I got just kind of was a reminder of that and said to you know set your uh, security settings properly and keep an eye on this and that. And so that was another thing that stuck out to me or another reason to, to sit up and pay attention because we're all vulnerable, not just to Ukraine right now. Um, every company and especially American companies that are involved in, in kind of directly or indirectly in any kind of political landscape, uh, they are definitely going to be targeted by Russia. We know that we've seen that, um, uh, we've gotten uh, announcements and warnings from the State Department on all that stuff. So I'm just keeping an eye on all that stuff. I mean, we're we're very uh, tangentially uh, involved in this things. I mean, we make security tools, and mm -hmm. of course, we sell these security tools all over the world. So, in a sense, the Berkeley name is known to State Departments all over the world. However, I don't think we're under unnecessarily, you know, we're not going to be, uh, I'm not worried about being attacked anytime soon directly, but that doesn't mean we're safe either. True. Yeah. You know, you never know in the background, I was just checking out the stat. As you mentioned, there's so many WordPress sites and you're, you're right there. Uh, this was a stat from last year, but it says there's well over 455 million websites that use WordPress. And I don't know, there's some 1 billion plus actual websites out there. So it is representing probably half or more, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. So basically out of our listeners here, it's like every other listener, hey, this could affect you because you could be targeted. Your, your website very well could be targeted just like our websites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's scary stuff. So mm -hmm. good, good to check in every once in a while too. Most, most companies have either uh, be it in, the, in their IT department or tied in, they have somebody in creative that maintains their website or they have a third party that does it. And it's probably good to every regularly check out to make sure that they are putting in these, the security patches and updating the widgets and, and all the other best practice cybersecurity things that need to be done because um, our, our website is, is really kind of the main thing that, that, educates our customer base that answers questions that allows them to buy on our, our uh, online store to download manuals, download software, uh, email us, whatever, whatever the case may be. So that that's really important to have our websites up and running. So you want to do all you possibly can to make sure that uh, you, you're not the victim of an attack. And one of the best ways is just doing the, the least 
keeping up with the patches and, and checking on all those things on a regular regular basis. Yeah, and just so our listeners don't um, get lulled into a false sense of security or anything, I mean, these these attacks, you can't even, it's, it's just completely apples to oranges uh, when it comes to attacks by the military, for instance, compared to, uh, you know, I'm talking physical attacks um, in warfare compared to cyber attacks. Uh, you know, cyber attacks, these things happen concurrently. They mm -hmm. happen uh, with the aid of uh, bots and scripts, uh, things that just are doing thousands and thousands of uh, performing thousands of the second. It's not like you have one hacker on one terminal that's typing in stuff to hack into a system, to steal, cause mischief, to, you know, whatever, post something politically. It doesn't work like that. Like you see in the movies, you, you know, what happens is you, you have one hacker might start it, but they're executing thousands, millions of concurrent attacks. And you could see in here in this story, um, uh, word fence, what did they say? Uh, they reported 144,000 attacks on February 25th alone to the Ukraine. That was before, uh, I mean, I don't even know if the, I guess the combat had already started. So that was like, a, that was obviously a big day of attacks, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they're getting cyber attacks on the, you know, the order of millions per day. Um, mm -hmm. so they said 376 academic websites uh, received 209,624 attacks between just in two days, between uh, February 25th. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So Scary. that's like, yeah. And that's just, that's just Ukrainian sites. You know, yeah. they're, they're looking at they're, they're, they got a magnifying glass on the world, looking at just this one area of the world. If you added up all the other attacks going on in just those few days, I'm sure you'd be in the on the order of millions and millions. And that's Absolutely. just normal attack traffic. You know, if the entire world was at war with each other, cyber, you know, like World War Three, if it be, if it truly was a cyber warfare, I think you'd be seeing billions of attacks mm. being lobbed back and forth every day. Yeah. Yeah. It starts to make you think. I think the average internet user doesn't necessarily appreciate this but what they might start appreciation have more appreciation of is if their computer seems to be running slower they can't get access to the internet things are bogged down or there's outages and we've all seen this from time to time i think with the prevalence and growing um cyber attacks it, it, the amount of just sheer traffic that is used for bad purposes tied to the internet now is so high, it's going to start to have a negative effect. And, and maybe the best way I could relate to it is I think about email years ago, you know, in, in the old days, I remember the early days of uh, AOL, you know, you've got mail and you check your mail and you'd have like two messages, you were excited and you would read them. And next day you'd have two more or three. And that was the extent I, I get over a thousand emails a day. And the vast majority of that stuff is just spam and junk. So the, the, the sheer amount of junk email that's out there floating around, clogging up servers and coming across our computers that get through the, the servers and the filters and everything else is, is a waste of time and energy and is a real distraction. And that's kind of similar with a lot of these cyber attacks. There's just so much junk going on and things going on that are so disruptive that it's hard to see clear anymore. It's hard to have focus and, 
and productivity has got to be suffering across businesses everywhere. I would assume. Mm. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Um, well, it's, it takes us into our, our, our third story here. And just as a friendly reminder, we want to thank our, our, our sponsor, um, uh, Cyberlytica, because this episode of Cyber Coast to Coast is sponsored by Cyberlytica, providing proactive cyber crime intelligence. If you want to learn more about Cyberlytica, some of the great stuff they're doing, check out cyberlytica.com. This next story is coming from the Hacker News, and hopefully I don't butcher it as much this time. It says, uh, re- researchers demonstrate new side channel attack on homomorphic encryption. What in the world is that? This is a mouthful, and it's hard to even explain it. I read the article twice earlier, and and it is a little bit deep, but I guess maybe just to set the stage first of all, um, encryption is key, and, and everybody knows that having good encryption keeps things safe. It keeps our communication safe if we're texting someone. Uh, a lot of times you hear our email is sent, and, and they'll often mention end-to-end encryption. So encryption is is being um, implemented throughout the whole ecosystem of communication. So uh, there's no spot in there where the data is not encrypted, which means that if somebody was to intercept it, they, 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 the data is rendered useless because you'd have to decrypt it. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're talking about an entirely new wave of um attacks on encryption, I guess, is a nice way to say this, which is kind of interesting. And I don't know if you want me to take a shot at this or if you want to take a shot at it. It's hard to explain via audio in a discussion like this to really get the full sense. So if nothing else, if we butcher this, please visit the link and and read the article a few times to get the full sense of it, because they do do a good job of explaining it, I think. It's just hard to to uh, yeah. chop it up in a sentence or two. <laughs> yeah, they did it. They did a good job explaining it. You did a good job of explaining, you know, the, the encryption basics. It's, but just because you know everyone around you does a good job of explaining it, doesn't mean you can you can wrap your your head around it always. Yeah. Like I I try. I read through it several times, and what I get is that uh, homomorphic encryption is a way to um, create uh, an encryption scheme that doesn't require the key on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the story is really about this kind of encryption being uh, defeated by a, some kind of interesting method. Um, I, I, apparently, they're, they're measuring the power consumption. Um, so what, what I could imagine is there's different different types of encryption on different types of, you know, and, and, and different um, levels of encryption and different phases of that encryption kind of task a CPU and a GPU in different ways. Now, if you can, if you're sensitive, sensitive enough to pick up on the power consumed while it's performing a particular phase of encryption, that will give you an in an insight into what what stage it's at and somehow i don't they didn't get into so much detail here but somehow that allows the hacker to um decrypt on on their end or at least maybe fail uh or foil the encryption as it's going through so that it can be um retrieved on the other end that much easier is that is that kind of the the sense you got 
I, I think so. And, and there's some interesting articles in, and this dives in a little bit deeper, maybe, but talking about power consumption and energy harvesting systems that are out there that work in tandem with different types of encryption algorithms, because some of them do have so much, I guess, processing and so much power consumption that you could now derive from that, I guess, is what they're, they're trying to say here the encryption or the encryption phase and that yields some information that's kind of telling just it was just it's kind of fascinating and it it seemed more of a science type of project but this is real and these are these are researchers that are are doing this working in conjunction with uh i think it mentions uh academics at north carolina state university and and another university there that that truly demonstrated this this first side channel attack um, and I think the interesting part about this, and this is why I'm always fascinated, like when I go to, to RSA and you sit in some of these conferences and hear these things, a lot, at first you hear it and it seems very extreme and not real world. And you ask yourself, well, what, what good is a lot of this? But, but these are often the building blocks to often improve security and cybersecurity. So you learn about how to get around things and vulnerabilities and bugs and hacking and that allows you to kind of build a better mousetrap. So the, these type of research projects lead to things, I think, in the future that makes our data 100 times more secure, a 1,000 times more secure. So mm-hmm. I certainly applaud researchers when they, they can do this, especially some of this is, is some really deep math and some serious stuff. Um, it'll be interesting, too, because th- there's got to be some advances before quantum computing really gets here, because quantum computing has the speed and power capability to break some of the most advanced encryption algorithms out there right now. We hear about, you know, AES 256 bit encryption, and it would take thousands of years to ever try to crack and so on and so forth, but not, not so with quantum computing, quantum Mm -hmm. computing can do it in, in, you know, relatively short periods of time, perhaps seconds or minutes in comparison to thousands of years because of the architecture of quantum computing. So we have to realize that the technology is advancing so rapidly that cybersecurity and algorithm development and encryption needs to keep up proportional with it. So I think it's a, a little bit of a cat and mouse game, perhaps, where you see what the, the hackers are using and why they embrace the latest and greatest technology and, and why the researchers here, the good guys, got to stay on top of this and stay ahead of it because uh, they're only one step away of, of another cyber breach. Yeah, I looked at this story as a kind of academic, uh, you know, good news, bad news. Mm-hmm. The, the good news is that it is um, the, uh, the attack was, you know, it's an academic thing and it was demonstrated using uh, a Microsoft seal, which is, uh, I had never even heard of this before this, but it's Microsoft apparently has something called the simple, encrypted arithmetic libraries, you know, acronym SEAL. And that was um, flawed prior to version 3.6. Now, I don't know what they're up to, but I know they're past 3.6 already. So it's the old adage, oh, make make sure your patches are updated, your security and all that stuff. So in a sense, this problem is already defeated. But of course, that brings me to the bad news, which means... There is no such thing as a hundred proof, uh, foolproof uh, encryption or security or you know whatever. Like anything 
that is made by humans can be cracked by humans, especially with the help of a computer, you know, and, they, and that will accelerate that, the cracking much further. So like you were talking about, uh, quantum stuff is very exciting. I think even this encryption stuff is exciting because just when you think end-to-end -end encryption is the be-all end-all, someone comes up with a whole new scheme that you might not even need a key on the other end to unlock. And that you know, that's great if it conveniences users and they get more security out of it. It's not so great when the hackers can get, you know, break that security and, and steal precious data. So, you know, with all the good news always come, there's always the flip side. There's always the bad news too, but the good, but to counter the bad news with more good news is we always have researchers and academics looking at this stuff hopefully reporting it, you know, being fully transparent, you know, making everyone aware, patching it, and we move on until the next flaw. And it's just, it just keeps going, you know, wash, rinse, rinse and repeat. Yeah, that's so true. And it kind of brought to mind a, a cybersecurity colleague I, I, I met, it wasn't last year, but the year before at the RSA show was uh, Bruce Steyer. And he's authored many books, uh, probably a dozen books or so, but he's kind of an authority on encryption. I would love to get his understanding of this uh, story a little bit and, and kind of his take on it and, and what vulnerabilities that, it, that might be present in it as you dig in more. Um, and hope, hopefully I'm, I'm going to be out at RSA uh, the beginning of June this year. There's actually a, a live show uh, coupled with a virtual, some people connecting virtually, but it's actually a true live show in San Francisco. So if anybody is out there at uh, RSA San Francisco, I think it's June 6th through 9th, I will be out there for the duration of the show um, and uh, do, doing a lot of stories and interviewing people, but would love to, to connect up. So, so certainly uh, shoot me a, a message there out on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. And if you want to connect up with me, I'd love to, to talk a little bit and get to meet you and learn a little bit about uh, some of the stuff that, that you're involved with. So it'd be kind of, kind of nice. But uh, great, great stories here and uh, looking forward to uh, our next conversation, hopefully next week on uh, Cyber Coast to Coast. And uh, did you have anything in closing there, uh, remarks that you wanted to add in there, Craig? Oh, well, you just uh, reminded me, uh, you know, you're doing that RSA thing, but you've been doing yeah. so many uh, other interviews. You did you did a, a Kane in Your Corner thing, piece. Uh, you did a thing for ABC recently. We want to tell the listeners about that and how they can see some of those things maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly one, probably one of the best ways is just uh, if, if you're following me on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, I'll try to post them all up there. But even going to scottshober.com, um, I'll have all of the, the actual uh, links there to the, to the articles and uh, you, you could check them out. But the one I did uh, today was a, was kind of an interesting story, I thought. Um, and it was talking a little bit more about um, caller ID spoofing and the social engineering aspects. And it was a story about somebody that was, um, their bank account was compromised and a large sum of money was taken out, but they kind of fooled the individual, socially engineered information out. But they started by calling them and used the, a spoofing app to put the fake number of the, you know, so it looked like the bank was calling them from the fraudulent department, but it really wasn't. It was obviously a hacker. So when, 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 when banks, when it appears like it's your actual bank and there's a sense of urgency and pressure, 
and they kind of qualify by saying, you're Mr. So-and-so, you live at this address, this is the last four digits of your social security number, here's your account number, um, can you confirm these things? You right away think, well, yeah, okay. And, and in the meantime, maybe you go on to Google and do a search and check the phone number out on caller ID and say, yeah, that's from my bank. This must be the fraud department. They're protecting me. They're the good guys. They're on my side. In this particular case, um, this individual was duped out of um, providing a little bit of personal information that the little bit left that they needed to actually hack into his account and they stole his money. And it kind of totally fooled him and it sounded extremely convincing. So I, and I, I kind of get into some of those things, the, the tactics that they use and some of the, the terms and different things like that uh, to, to fool people. So it's really uh, fascinating how social engineering works. And I share some tips throughout some, some basic common sense tips so we don't fall victim to, uh, to, to the cyber criminals. So it, it doesn't always have to come in the form of a email and, you know, phishing link that we, we, we click on. It could be a text. It could be a spoofed phone call with a fake caller ID. So, you know, once, once that story is up there, it's going to be on uh, ABC news, certainly check that out. And, uh, and, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it and hopefully pick up a, a couple tips on it. And some of the stuff I was talking with, um, uh, this was Walt Kane on this week, and the story did uh, already go up. Was about uh, some of the Conti ransomware and uh, things in connection with Ukraine and Russia, and how they were uh, different groups are actually targeting other groups and actually targeting countries. Some groups targeting Russia, some groups that are uh, targeting other hacker groups and anonymous, as we mentioned earlier. So. Uh, we dive into that. New Jersey 12 is a, is a great channel here locally in kind of the tri-state area, New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. Um, so I had, a, I had a good time on that. And again, that's up on scottshober.com. Uh, and then on Monday, I did a nice, uh, interesting interview also. That's going to be a piece that's coming out in the National Enquirer. So I, I can't reveal what that is as of yet until it actually um, hits the hits the presses, but that's coming up soon. So to take a look, if you do read the uh, the tabloid there, the National Enquirer, maybe when you're checking out at the supermarket or whatever, uh, check out the next issue. And there's a nice uh, article in there that that I'm uh, quoted throughout. So it'll be an interesting read. And I, I did a couple of articles for them last year, uh, a couple of interviews in, in their editorial section there, all about tips and things, how to stay safe and SIM swapping and a couple of, a couple other really fun stories that are very practical that you you know, people can read and actually do something, but explained at a very high level because it's obviously a lot of kind of people that follow the celebrities and yeah. they're very consumer oriented. It's well, not wasn't a it, tech dive. Was it a Hunter Biden laptop thing or something? Yeah, that was another story I did last I remember that year. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of very. Um, yeah, it's pretty salacious. That salacious. Stuff. I guess that's a good way to say it. I don't want to say it's, it's all fake, but a lot of it's the, the title of the stories. Oh, yeah. Draw you in. I think it's all they, about the headline these days. Yeah, the yeah. headlines are incredible in that matter. You got to give them credit. They do a good job to to bring readership in, and, and the pictures are, I guess, sometimes uh, interesting because they they make you look and go, "What? What is that?" And you, like you got to read. It's like kind of like like a train wreck. You got to turn your head and look and say, "Ooh, what happened there?" Mm -hmm. That's what those those magazines remind me of. So, if that's that's all we got for this episode, uh, I'll be signing out. This is Craig from the West Coast. All right. And this is Scott from the East Coast signing out. Stay safe, everybody. Cyber.